tell you every week about my friends at Steel, S-T-I-H-L. SteelDealers.com is where you will find more than 9,000 dealers around the country, and there's one in your neck of the woods, guaranteed. Your backyard, as uh, they like to say, should be an oasis, not a challenge. And your local steel dealer has the gas, electric, and battery-powered tools that will get the job done. Steel has marvelous products. They are a leader when it comes to chainsaws, trimmers, blowers. As I've always told you, I have uh, one of each. I have handheld uh, equipment as well made by steel. They're just outstanding. They last a long time. The battery almost never needs to get recharged. It's really uh, amazing how much work you can get done with your steel products. So find uh, the dealer near you at steeldealers.com. Again, it's S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. Start my day every day with Boyer's Coffee, and I suggest you do the same. Boyer'sCoffee.com is where you can find some of the best coffee on the market, locally brewed, environmentally conscious, and they've been a Colorado company since 1965. And they have some... uh, Great deals coming up. St. Patty's Day sale, in fact, on March 17th. They're going to have all kinds of uh, great drinks uh, for sale. Their spring sale is on March 20th, 15% off all bagged coffee. And you can find out all of the details at boyerscoffee.com. In fact, they also have a special with the Rocky season getting going. And they're a proud coffee partner of the Colorado Rockies and have been for a number of years. Boyer's Coffee lovers can enter for a chance to win a Rockies prize pack at boyerscoffee.com slash Rockies. No purchases necessary. You have to be 18 years old and live in Colorado, but go check that out as well. Love their coffee. So many great products. Just had a delivery to the house a few days ago. Boyerscoffee.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast. Part two of Drew's conversation with one of his TV partners, Jenny Kavnar, on the Rockies without Nolan Arenado. It leaves a wide open opportunity for some of these players that they've been waiting for. They've been waiting for Brendan Rogers to show up. They've been waiting for Dan Hilliard's bat to pop. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And leave a comment. It helps other people find the show. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Thrilled, as always, that you have uh, spent a little time with uh, us. We have Jenny Kavnar Part 2 a little bit later on in the podcast as we tape this on a Tuesday, March the 9th. Um, getting ready to head down to spring training tonight, in fact. And we have our first televised game on the 9th and then the 10th. And really looking forward to it. Juices are flowing There's no better time in baseball than March. Everybody's optimistic. Everybody's excited. Broadcasters, doesn't matter, you know, what you do. And so I'm looking forward to getting down to, uh, to Scottsdale and, uh, we'll, we'll chat more about that next week. We'll certainly get into some baseball stuff here in a moment. I had some random thoughts. I always have random thoughts. One of them I'm going to begin with my dog, Stella. My old English sheepdog, who I absolutely adore. And I always say this, my favorite people on earth are dogs, right? They never let you down. Except when we're playing fetch. And lately, when I play fetch with Stella, sometimes she's all world. I mean, you can throw it, she's going to go get it, and she brings it back. And there are other times that she'll go out there, pick the ball up, drop it, and then run back. And I'm like, Stella? 
Did you forget something? So she creates this kind of new version of the game, and then I have to go get the ball, and we kind of repeat this, and occasionally she brings it back, and, and occasionally she doesn't. And I believe full on she knows exactly what she's doing because not only are dogs my favorite people, I think dogs are probably, you know, much brighter than us, you know, across the board. And we, you know, we, we kind of flatter ourselves and think, oh, we're going to train the dogs to do this and train the dogs to do that. They know perfectly well what's going on. So I haven't figured out this whole fetch thing where she's a, uh, you know, an occasional all world fetch player. And on another occasion, she's, uh, you know, interested in me having to walk and get the ball and then continue from there. I told you, these were random thoughts. Another one is, did you see the NBA All-Star game the other day? I hope you did. I love the NBA. I love basketball. Uh, as many of you know, did the Nuggets for 10 years and continued to do college basketball. But I'm out on All-Star games, unless it's Major League Baseball. And I'm not saying that because now I work in Major League Baseball. By far, and I've pontificated on this subject in the past, of the all-star games in professional sports, the only one that works to any degree of legitimate entertainment value would be the Major League Baseball all-star game because it's still confrontations against with, with the best pitchers against the, the best hitters, and it is still real-life baseball. They're playing the game. And even though guys are coming in and out, they're still playing the game to win. And you're getting the confrontation of Clayton Kershaw going against Mike Trout or Justin Verlander, you know, throwing and trying to get Trevor Story out. So from that standpoint, it really works. The NBA All-Star game, it come on, man. There's 170 to 150. Now they just play it first team to 170. Steph Curry pulled up from 40. That's not an exaggeration, not an embellishment. He pulled up from 40, because he can, and knocked it down. And I guess there's some entertainment value in that. But Giannis Antetokounmpo was 16 of 16. Are we saying, wow, what a great shooting night? No. Nobody literally is getting in anybody's way. They're just dunking left and right. And to me, that's it's not entertaining. The NHL All-Star Game, I mean, you're not going to have guys get hurt, so nobody's going to check anybody. And I, I pity the goalies because it's target practice. And the biggest joke of all, I do this once a year, folks. I, I go off on the All-Star Games, and, and today's the day. The Pro Bowl should never, ever happen anymore. I mean, I the NBA, okay, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do that and, and have some fun with it. And the NHL, I'm not watching but the Pro Bowl, they literally now they don't even tackle anybody, right? They just they catch the guy as he runs through the hole. And, you know, same thing with the passes. We'll catch him and then we'll wrap him up. Nobody gets a grass stain or a turf stain. It, it's impossible. Just get rid of it. You can have the voting and establish honors for players who've had terrific years and they should be celebrated. This guy's a Pro Bowl player. That guy's a Pro Bowl player. But don't play the game. Do not play the game. It has zero entertainment value. It also got me thinking about some sports television programs that were created back in the 70s. 
First of all, roller derby, which goes back, I think, into like the 50s. Remember roller derby? And it would be like, you know, this person for the Bay City Bombers, for the jam. I didn't even know what a jam was, but I, I would watch it like Saturday morning. I watched, I, I'd watch roller derby. But one sport, or it wasn't a sport, but one sports television entity that was created in the 70s and I think worked and would work today if there would be participants willing to do so because now there's so much money and there, there's you're worried about risk and so on. And that's the superstars. Who remembers? Who's old enough to remember the superstars when you'd have all of these Name athletes from various sports. Some of them were individual sports, sports like track and field. And, of course, you know, football and basketball and baseball and hockey were well represented. Boxing w- was represented. And you have them competing in, in various things from, like, rowing to, you know, tr- legitimate track events. It was pretty cool. You know, you see an NFL wide receiver running against, like, Lou Brock from baseball. You know, one of the fastest guys in the game. And, and you were kind of intrigued. You'd have, you know... Feats of strength. You had some weightlifting things. And, you know, now every sport has, has strong guys, not just limited to football. And it was pretty compelling. It would actually, I think, work today. And you would draw some sort of audience. The problem is, is that back then, for somebody to make an extra 10 grand or 15 grand, that was like real money to athletes back then. Now, you'd be hard-pressed to get some guy who's making $25 million a year interested in in potentially getting hurt doing something in their off season. So we, we probably aren't going to see that again. But it made me think about it when I saw the all I didn't watch the All-Star game. I don't want to be accused of that. But when I saw the final score the next day, 170, 150, and I was thinking back to 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 events that no longer take place that at least I found entertaining from um that standpoint years ago. And it made me think of the superstars. We are on the brink of learning who the field will be for the NCAA tournament, and it better include, I don't think there's any doubt it's going to include the University of Colorado and Tad Boyle's bunch, and it better include Nico Medved's crew up in Fort Collins because they've had a tremendous year, and I know they lost basically at the buzzer uh, to Nevada in uh, their final regular season game. They probably got to win one or two in the tournament to ensure that the Mountain West tournament, I should say, to ensure that they're in. I think Colorado's already safely in. It's been a very good year uh, for the Mountain West. They're the only team, by the way, to knock off the other top teams in the conference, nationally ranked San Diego State, uh, on the road, albeit road games don't have the same um, feel as they would normally. And I don't think they're as truly difficult naturally without fans as they would be ordinarily when you celebrate a road win. But they did win away from home uh, against San Diego State. Same thing for Utah State. Um, they split with Boise State. Those games were in Fort Collins, but those are the other three teams. And, and the Mountain West could very well get four teams into uh, the field of, of 68 and all, all would be deserving. So we'll see how that one uh, that one shakes out. One quick note about, uh, especially with Tad Boyle's team, McKinley Wright is a senior. He's one of the top players in college basketball. He's one of the great leaders we've ever seen at the collegiate level, probably in any sport in at least the last 25, 30 years. And what a glorious uh, four years he's had up there. I want to see them make noise, not just in, too often in the past, 
you know, we, we've been, a, you know, kind of almost a marginalized basketball state. Like, okay, if Colorado gets in or Colorado State, we, we celebrate that. And, and, you know, that's all the expectation was. I think the expectation, I know it's this way for, for Tad Boyle, as competitive as he is, is that they win a couple of games. I, they are good enough to be a Sweet 16 team. And I think it would be a disappointment if they don't win at least one game in the tournament. And, and that's not to uh, discount what they have going on in Fort Collins with, with a really young team. They're led by two sophomores, David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens. Uh, but you know they they also could make a little noise if they get in and they deserve to be in if you look at uh, some of the metrics so that's going to be uh, going on we'll uh, not lose focus uh, on that as well as we uh, start to move closer to opening day in baseball great news uh, we learned today again as uh, we take this podcast and that is that the Rockies are going to be allowed to have things like 42 point something percent capacity what that means in real numbers is uh, a little more than 21,000 people going forward and that's tremendous news I mean fans and, and I know the Rockies the, the expectations are low people are upset we've talked about that ad nauseum but it's still the home team. It's still a chance to go to one of the great facilities in the sport, in the, the greatest weather environment typically uh, going in the sport. And so to see fans again, from my standpoint, for all of you to be able to take the family to the ballpark, I think is, is great. And so it seemingly is only going to go up from here. So that was really good news. Welcome news. So continuing with the Rockies, again, we have chatted about the expectations and how the Rockies can surprise at various levels. And when we have discussed that, we know the strength of the team is the rotation. Freeland had a very good first start, uh, at least in front of uh, front of some fans the other day, three scoreless innings. You know what you're going to get from Herman Marquez, who also had three scoreless innings in his first uh, outing of the spring. That is that is going to lead this ball club. And then we mentioned some of the young guys. It's going to be a year of opportunity for the Rodgers, the Hilliards, the Hampsons, even McMahon, who has been around for a while. Can they take that next step? Can they take a, a step and a half? And if they do, if a couple of them do, the Rockies could be far better than the expectations. Um, but an area that I haven't chatted a lot about that I want to focus on briefly is the bullpen. The bullpen was awful. Last year, no other way to spin it. I mean, an ERA uh, above six and a half. And outside of Daniel Bard, who was such a marvelous story, and Yency Almonte, most of the other guys really struggled, unfortunately, fairly consistently last year. One of the theories that I've always subscribed to with relievers, most of them, not all of them, there are some guys a year in and year out are, are pretty darn good. But most relievers, even guys that work in high leverage situations, very often it is good year, not so good year. Then they bounce back in really good year. Um, and you'd be amazed how many relievers who work as setup guys in the seventh and eighth inning and name guys um, ride that roller coaster a little bit. And so even though the, the proverbial bounce back season can be overused and and perhaps also utilized as a crutch sometime as 
we say, oh, well, they'll have a bounce back year and that guy will have a bounce back year. Well, sometimes the reality is they're not all going to bounce back. The reality is that sometimes maybe, you know, they're on the decline and that's what you were witnessing in the previous season. But I believe there are some legitimate candidates for the Rockies in that bullpen to bounce back because they're still young. The stuff, the raw stuff is still there. And the first two names that come to mind are Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz. Carlos Estevez made more than 70 appearances in 2019 and was really good, especially when you couple uh, with the environment that he pitches in, then, you know, he he was very, very sound. He was not good last year. Um, I, I think he had uh, an injury to the hand on a comebacker that probably affected him more than he let on. I know he had a rough outing, uh, you know, in his, one of his first spring appearances the other day. But he would be a strong candidate for a bounce-back year. I think the same for Jairo Diaz. And again, for the Rockies to surprise, for the Rockies to um, compete at a much higher level than the prognosticators suggest will happen, the bullpen has to be much better. And you need bounce-back years from Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz. I believe in what I saw from Daniel Bard. The stuff's nasty. It's 97, 98, 99, even occasionally 100 with sink, and he can have a wipeout slider. Uh, I think Daniel Bard going into the season has got to be your ninth inning guy. I love that Scott Oberg is back involved. You keep your fingers crossed with um, the blood clots that he's dealt with now three times in his career that he can be healthy. His his recent track record when he is healthy has been outstanding. And now you add him to the bullpen. Michael Gibbons, who the Rockies got um, for a playoff push and it didn't work out, didn't pitch per, uh, particularly well in a Rockies uniform, that small sample size. He was very good in Baltimore. In fact, he was even good at the start of last year in Baltimore before the Rockies made the move for him. Um, I would imagine... Uh, that he will bounce back as well. It's a it's a contract year for Michael Gibbons. Uh, so he is also thrust into that category of guys that um, can perform better. There's a guy out there that impressed me at times last year that has options left, which means he does not have to break camp with the Rockies. And that is Tyler Kinley. And Kinley can miss bats. And that is so important in today's game, and it is profoundly important if you play your games at Coors Field. Tyler Kinley has breaking stuff and and a good fastball that misses bats, and he is an uncomfortable at bat, and therefore he's a guy that's going to impact the Rockies' bullpen, hopefully in a positive way this year. And there's a, a couple of potential newcomers. One is going to be on the roster, Robert Stevenson. He's a, a former first-round pick with Cincinnati. He came over in the deal for Jeff Hoffman in the offseason. And it, for both players, it was the proverbial change of scenery trade. Robert Stevenson, two years ago, was really, really good for Cincinnati. In fact, in 64 and two-thirds innings, in 2019, he struck out 81. Remember, missing bats? He can do that. He allowed nine home runs and 64-plus that year. Last year, just 10 innings, somehow he allowed eight home runs and 11 runs. It, it was you know limited innings, and it was not a good run for Stevenson, who, who battled some injuries also last year. 
I look for him to bounce back. He historically has been a guy that strikes out more than a hitter in innings. So I like that acquisition of somebody else that can work on the plus side in the bullpen. And then the lefty kind of wild card for me is a guy that was drafted pretty highly by the Rockies, another guy that has battled some injuries, but his time you hope has arrived, and that's uh, Ben Bowden. And Ben Bowden's a hard-throwing left-hander, and he's going to be given every opportunity uh, to win a job initially with the Rockies. So the bullpen has some more candidates. It has candidates to bounce back, and it needs to bounce back in a large way, clearly, for the Rockies to be a more significant team, again, than, than many people uh, project them to be. But I wanted to mention the bullpen because we haven't talked about it. I'll have some more insight as we move along in March, particularly being down there and, and having an opportunity to watch guys up close and, and kind of visit with um, with uh, some other folks and, and see exactly you know what has transpired. And uh, as I said, we'll pass those uh, notes along uh, as we uh, as we develop them. All right, it is time for our interview of the week, which is always provided by Ideal Home Loans. It's part two of my conversation with Jenny Kavnar. Enjoy. Going back to the 07 to 011, Buddy Black, um, he's the only one who gets away with referring to you or calling you Jen as opposed to Jenny. True. Very true. But he's a nicknamer, you know? I mean, everyone has a nickname, and mine's pretty simple with him. It's Jen. So I just, I let it slide. I mean, he was the manager. I was a first-year baseball reporter. I let it go. But since that day, I've, I've let everyone else know. It's, it's Jenny. Yeah, <laughs> Jenny. But he, he and he, and he kind of holds on it. You know, he emphasizes Jen, and I know he, ador- he adores you, obviously, but he, he loves to call you Jen. I don't think I've ever heard him call you Jenny, quite frankly. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's rare. It's a rare occasion. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's. I mean, I feel pretty – again, it's a simple nickname, but I feel like having covered Bud Black and his career as a manager for as long as I have and, you know, getting to do some stories on him. We went back to Longview, Washington, where he's from, got to interview some of his buddies. I mean, that's the first thing out of the gate you always know is uh, what's what's your buddy nickname, right? <laughs> Everyone has one if you've been around him long enough. Well, it, it's funny. I call him at least half the time Harry as opposed to, <laughs> right, because that's his given name. Sometimes I call him Hank White because it's like the opposite of his name, right? right? Mm-hmm. So you just, he's a good one to just mess around with on that front. That, absolutely. He's, he's the best. What has been, and I'm sure they are numerous, the biggest challenges that come to mind being a woman in this business? Um, besides working with you? Uh, besides, leave that, you weren't going to mention that. I thought we had a, a quid pro quo. Um, no, working with you is fantastic. Um, you know, I think, I, I think the challenges have changed, right, as our industry has changed. I mean, I look back, uh, and I kind of briefly mentioned it, but I look back to when I wanted to get in this career, and kind of some of the limitations that, um, at least from afar, were felt in the job of like, you know, women are on the sidelines or women do these sports. And as, you know, now almost having been in this business for almost two decades, um, you're seeing that open and change so drastically, being able to turn on a game 
and not just have a woman be a sideline reporter, but have, you know, a woman be a pre and post game or halftime host or have a woman calling a game in the booth or from our vantage point behind the scenes, getting to have that we work with often during the season, getting to have a woman as a producer, a woman as a director, women in spots that just typically weren't there when I was growing up. So I think first and foremost, that's so important. And, you know, anytime um, young girls in college reach out to me, I really encourage them to look around because they have so many shining examples of things they can do. Um, whereas I don't think that it was put a limitation. I mean, like you can't do these jobs. I just never thought about them because I never saw someone that looked like me doing them. Um, so I, I think that's changed a lot. I, I think some other challenges, you know, it's, it's come to light <laughs> very recently, especially in the major league baseball landscape of sexual harassment. I mean, I think it's just something, um, for better or for worse that you put up with in this business when, um, when you're a woman that's covering a locker room. I mean, oftentimes back um, in the early 2000s, I'd be the only woman in the locker room asking questions, um, and that's changed again a lot. Uh, there's a lot of female writers now covering the game, whether it's baseball or football or basketball or hockey, um, and there's a lot of different different um, genders in the locker room, so you don't feel like you're the only one, and it's not as uncomfortable in that regard anymore. Um, but yeah, you, you put up with the comments, you deal with them, um, you, you learn, I guess back then I just kind of always kept quiet about most of them and kind of moved forward. And I will say I feel pretty lucky in my career to have felt, I guess the word is respected, um, in most of the places I've been. And again, that comes with the territory of covering a team every day, right? Like for you as a male or for me as a female, we earn that respect with a team. We're around them every day. We have to build relationships. Um, and as a woman, you always have to, you know, set very clear lines in the sand early on. And sometimes that means you have to think harder through how you dress or how you non-verbally communicate with someone or, you know, what kind of conversations you're having in the locker room. I, I think it's just a lot more behind the scenes stuff that are drawn to our attention every day than there would be for a male in our same position. Yeah, I, I, there's. I, I'm fond of saying nobody can walk in somebody else's shoes, and I would think, and, and you know, there've been so many more incidents that have come to light. And you know, as a male, my reaction is always, how, how can you be so you know dumb, so naive, and that yeah. sort of thing. And I would imagine that there are many, many unspoken. Uh, instances that just, you know, people don't come forward or maybe you just share it, um, you know, amongst other women in the business. And it doesn't have to just be clearly the, the broadcast business. It could be any number of businesses. Uh, but certainly in the world of sports, um, women, especially a while back, had been such a, you know, a huge minority. And now it, it's far more commonplace. I mean, I remember the first time it was, you know, a huge controversy when women were going to, you know, be allowed into, you know, the locker room. Right. I, I always felt uncomfortable or, or for women because the last thing you want, you want to do your job, you want to do it well. But the last thing I'm sure you want to do is to be, you know, you know, to have to be in there to, you know, get sound or that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you're, 
if you're in the locker room, it's because you're trying to get a story, right? That's the only reason why you're in there, whether, again, no matter your gender. I mean, that's the job you're in there to do. And I think you said it great. I mean, I often look back at the women that had to fight for the right just to get the story. They weren't allowed in the locker room, and they had to wait outside, um, you know, in the tunnel and wait for a player to come by that might give them some extra time after they've already talked to the media just so they can file their story with the newspaper. I mean, how difficult would that be? to be, especially in a competitive era of this newspaper journalism in the 70s and 80s, um, and try and cover the story just as well as the beat writer counterpart across town who's a male. I mean, you're already up against the wall. And so I definitely think back on those times and appreciate the fight um, that all those women had to make it normalized for their job um, to do that. And I appreciate the men that have walked alongside those women to fight for them, right? I look around our crew, and I feel so lucky with the team that we have, with the team that we're allowed to work with every day, because we have such a good support system. I mean, even in getting the opportunity to to fill in for you and call a major league game, I mean, you were so supportive. Huey, Philly, Corey, you know, those are all males that I'm listing. Cabis, one of our producers, um, not to mention, you know, our female colleagues that also were really uh, a great support and backbone for me. But it's funny, Drew, because even in our broadcast business, oftentimes, um, you know, I get a lot of pushback from some of the old school male broadcasters of like, you know, oh, what are what are you doing? Are you down on the sidelines? And I'm like, oh, you know, no, I'm filling in for Drew today. I'm calling the game. Like, you're calling the game? <laughs> Just like the shock of like, there's a woman in the booth for a baseball game? Like, how crazy is that, right? Yeah. Um, so it's cool, though, because I think having having had that opportunity to do that um, really opened some doors, I think, for other people. And now this year, as we go into the 2021 Major League season, uh, Melanie Newman, who was a long time, I shouldn't say long time, but, you know, six years, I think, called games for minor league baseball, is in her second year with the Orioles and is probably going to be calling about 75 games on the radio um, you know, I, I know they just hired Beth Moens to back up in Chicago and do a couple games. So I think it's cool that our business, meaning our broadcast baseball business, um, has, has evolved and has pushed the envelope, um, in the last couple of years. And not just on what you see on camera, but again, really highlighting those behind camera. And I think in Colorado, we have a great diverse team of people doing it. Absolutely. And, and it should be noted, not only, you know, you're doing some some Rockies baseball and have, have the last few years, but uh, you've done quite a bit of college basketball. You're getting ready to do the uh, Big Sky Tournament. Am I right? Coming up uh, in, in a couple of weeks or not even a couple of weeks. It's coming up next week, right? Next week. Yeah. In Boise, I'll do the women's tournament for the third straight year. So, yeah, getting that chance to just kind of for me. It's been such a huge challenge, but like I said, it's it's been really cool to be able to embrace it with people around me that have pushed me to it, right? Who have supported me, who have tried to make me better, who have helped me along the way. Like I'm, I'm very appreciative for our group because I don't think it's anything um, that I would have ever looked at as like a goal of mine until it became a point where I was like, no, let's do this. Like let's all do this together, and I think that's what's been really fun about it. Yeah, I think in in whatever we do, you want challenges, and certainly in the broadcasting domain of, of sports broadcasting, 
uh, domain, I should say, it was exclusively male, even even oftentimes with women's sports, you know, whether it be, you know, women's gymnastics or, or women's volleyball. Um, it, it always, the at least the play-by-play side always typically was a man and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know ceilings have been broken uh, and you're one of those you you know you're it's got to be neat to feel like um, that you have uh, you have taken part in the movement forward if you will yeah I think it's really special to be in that conversation I mean um, you know Susan Waldman's obviously been a longtime radio broadcaster for the New York Yankees. Um, and, you know, you can look around. I mentioned Beth Mullen's name earlier. She became um, one of the first women to do NFL play-by-play. I know Gail Searns did it um, a couple decades ago, but it was a one-off thing. And Beth's become, you know, more of a known voice. And you talk about Pam Ward being around the college football ranks. I know you've probably crossed paths with Pam over the years. But really, I could count, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one of my favorites, Doris Burke. Yes. Doris Burke is fantastic. I mean, and again, I think that's where you you start to look around, and you know, I know it's it's been a couple of years now, maybe the last seven, eight years, where we're talking a lot about the first female to do this, and plenty of people want to get to a place where we don't have to talk about that. We don't have to talk about the first to do it because it's more normalized, right? I understand it. To your point, it wasn't normalized for a viewer to hear a woman's voice calling a game, even on women's athletic side, as you mentioned. So it's been it's been really neat to just be a part of that list, a part of so many names, um, specifically in our game of Major League Baseball, that have broken a lot of barriers. You know, you talk about Alyssa Nakin, who became a full-time coach in uniform with the San Francisco Giants last year. Obviously, Jessica Mendoza has been um, huge as an analyst in the booth. And, um, you know, you can't forget about Kim Ng becoming the first general manager in the game. So I just think there's been a lot of firsts, but really highlighted over the last five years of of really amazing women who, yeah, they're a woman, but like they're also very talented and very um, you qualified for that job and the right person at the right time. And I think it's going to open doors to that next generation. And I hope they see that. More with Jenny Kavnar in a few moments, but uh, a message from my good friends at Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's team. They're celebrating their 20th year of taking care of all of you when it comes to home loans. If you're buying that new house, you got to give them a call right now. They're going to save you money and they're going to make the process really easy. That number to call is 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. If you are looking to have a lower payment, that's been going on for quite a while with low interest rates. You need to give them a call as well and refinance 303-867-7000 if you're going to consolidate debt. They're the same folks to call. They've made so many folks happy over the last 20 years. They have so many repeat customers like myself because they do a terrific job from the, the moment you talk to them until you sign uh, the documents and uh, and are pleased because you're going to save money. 303-867-7000. It is Ideal Home Loans. Now more with my longtime partner, Jenny Kavnar. 2021 Rockies, we understand that the fan base is very upset, angry, and, and understandably, I'll, I'll speak for myself, understandably, uh, so with the you know the trade of Nolan, um, what do you sense as 
what will transpire this year and how are you looking at this 21 season as you prepare uh, in the various roles that you have? Um, I'll get to that. Do you want me to tell you a quick funny Vin story about Nolan's trade? Uh, and this has not Vin Scully. This is more importantly Vin Scully. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Vin Spurgeon, my son. So, again, three and a half years old. You know, we talk about the Rockies players a lot. They're obviously watching Rockies baseball all summer long. And I told him, I said, buddy, I have to tell you something. Nolan got traded, and he goes, <gasps> and had, like, a shocked look on his face. But he doesn't know what traded means. He has no idea, like, what that is. And he was disappointed. He was so sad. So I had to tell him that he plays now for the St. Louis Cardinals, the team that wears red. And he said, well, I'll – I'll root for the Cardinals and I'll root for the Rockies. And I said, okay. And then he said, and when I see Nolan next, I run down from the stands and I give him a hug and a kiss. Well, that's perfect. And you know what? There's, <laughs> there's probably there's probably going to be a significant line behind Vin also, right? I thought, Vin, I think that's probably how a lot of Rockies fans are feeling. Yeah, you know, I, I think it was obviously a very disappointing day in franchise history. You talk about um, – the guy that's won a gold glove every single year he's played that position. He's won four platinum gloves for crying out loud. He's one of the best defenders. And you and I often talk um, on air. We talk off air as a group that we are so lucky. We had been so lucky to witness a generational player, witness one of the best third basemen this game will ever see. And, um, you know, I don't think we took that for granted. And so looking back, I hope a lot of Rockies fans didn't either. At the end of the day, you know, we talk about this a lot. It's a business. We saw this with Troy Tulowitzki getting traded. You know, fan favorites, fans don't want to let go of them. They love seeing them in their hometown colors. But it was time, I think. It was time um, for both parties to move on. Financially, as a business decision for the Rockies, it was very evident that this is the direction they were going to have to head in. And I think for Nolan, um, as we saw over the last year and a half, there was clearly some discrepancies on how he felt about what the organization maybe promised him or, you know, that there was just something there that it wasn't, the marriage wasn't going to last. And so, you know, for Nolan as a human, as a person, you and I, Huey, Corey, Philly, Mark, you know, we all wish him the best. We got to know Nolan over the last eight years and his family is a wonderful family. I think we're all going to miss Millie Arenado, his mom, more than anyone, right? <laughs> getting, getting to see Millie at the ballpark. But, um, but, at the same time, like you, you have to, you got to move forward, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be a very different look team in 2021. I think um, it's very obvious that Ryan McMahon will probably end up over there at third base, and I think for Ryan, that's going to be a good thing. I think that's his natural position. I think offensively, that'll open up a lot more confidence for him at the plate um, than he's had the last couple of years trying to really learn second base and even you know, playing a little bit of first base. He's a versatile guy. This is a versatile roster. I think we're going to see that shuffle happen a little bit more. But Ryan Ryan and Trevor are very close. And so I, I think that'll be a good fit over there on the left side. No one's going to replace Nolan Arenado. No one's going to step in those shoes. Um, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough job to fill. But at the end of the day, someone's going to have to be the starting third baseman on opening day, and so it looks like that's that's the position they go to. It's a young team, Drew, right? You start to look around, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, Charlie Blackman is so old compared to all these guys, right? Um, it's young by experience. It's young by age, and it leaves a wide-open opportunity for 
some of these players that they've been waiting for. They've been waiting for Brendan Rodgers to show up. They've been waiting for Sam Hilliard's bat to pop. You know, they've been waiting for, um, you know, whatever is this group to come together. And it's a group that's been together in the minor leagues for a long time. So I think there's going to be some growing pains. There's no doubt. But as we've heard, um, as I've done preseason interviews, they love it. They love the fact that nationally um, no one sees them <laughs> having remotely a chance of making the postseason. They love having that chip on their shoulder and being underdogs. We've, we've heard it in quotes from Kyle Freeland. He loves being the snake in the grass, ready to shock the world. You know, games have to play out for these things to happen. But if you're Bud Black, that's probably the attitude that you want to see out of your team right now as you head in to uh, the first week of games at spring training. Yeah, they're, they're, there's no question. They're saying the right things, and there is some talent there. And a word that you used, I've used a number of times uh, on this podcast in the lead-up to 2021, and that is opportunity. A number of guys are going to have an opportunity, some that have already had an opportunity. But now, you know, take Ryan McMahon, who you were chatting about. It's an opportunity for Ryan really to take that next step. It's an opportunity for Garrett Hampson and Sam Hilliard, who are still very, very young in their big league career, to find out how impactful can they be um, with their talent level. And their talent level is pretty darn high. Can can they become a really good or even star level big league player. And it'll it'll be fun to watch it play out. And in the aftermath of Matt Holiday came Carlos Gonzalez. In the aftermath of True Troy Tulowitzki came Trevor Story. So what will be fun is disappointing as the Nolan trade was is who will be that next guy? Because one thing we know, and you've seen him since ninety-three, the Rockies develop position player stars it just it, they've done a really good job of that so who who's going to be the next one or two where we go man he's he's really really good yeah I think that's always the thing that you can count on here I mean I know last year was a bit of anomaly you talk about the short and 50 game season the offense underperforming I mean very underwhelming last year for a Colorado Rockies group um, of offensive players but what's so bizarre, Drew, and I know you've probably thought about this, is you start to look on paper where the best group lies, and it's in your starting rotation right now. I mean, if you want to talk about experience, maybe not by age, but you start to look at, wow, you have, you know, Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland coming off a bounce back year, Sanditella coming off his best year yet, you know, John Gray, can he put together a complete season? Like, if those things happen – is that really the strength of a Colorado Rockies team? That's pretty interesting um, to start to look at that. And then what bats could potentially um, help out to get this ball club to win some games. But, I, you know, I was looking through it. I know I mentioned Charlie Blackman being the oldest. Do you know that he is the only position player that was born in the 80s on this team? Well, I was born in the 80s, but I don't play a position. So there's there's that. <laughs> You were not born in the 80s. You maybe started broadcasting in the 80s, but you were not born in the 80s. I was not born in the 80s. Frighteningly, I did start. Yeah, it was the mid-80s. Before I let you go, and I thank you very much for your time, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you in the same way that I make a statement here, is there lower-hanging fruit in our business than... Ryan Spielborgs. <laughs> It'd be really hard to find 
I'm really thinking hard. Is he the I is mean, he the proverbial guy that has kicked me that, that somebody threw the kick me sign and taped it to his back unbeknownst to him? He probably taped it on his back. Yeah, he probably honest. did. Yeah, that's true. We love Spilly. I mean, how much fun is it to go to work every day? I've mentioned this several times. We have such a great crew, and Spilly is definitely um, the comedian in that crew and can get us all out of our worst days pretty quickly. So we, we are lucky to have him, all joking aside. But, yeah, even doing some work at MLB Network Radio now, I'm starting to realize that he's also that same person for that bunch of guys over there and gals that do radio. So um, that's just silly everywhere he goes. Maybe even for, like, his kids' little league team, he might be that way, or coaching at School of Mines. Maybe he's also the low-hanging fruit. Um, yeah, I think that's where wherever he goes. Jenny, it's uh, a pleasure. I will see you uh, in a few days, actually, down in spring training as we get rolling with the games beginning on March 10th. I think, what do we go, March uh, 10, 11, 13, 15, 28, 29. I think that's what it is. I think you got it. Yeah, for our yeah. six down in spring training. And um, congrats, by the way, on a, on a wonderful show. I, I, I taped it uh, that you um, did with uh, several Rockies, Paul Egan's, who's the traveling secretary, Ian Desmond, Danny Montgomery, who's been with the club since before day one, who's uh, kind of the right-hand man to Billy Schmidt, vice president of scouting and Stu Cole, who's now become the longtime third base coach uh, and infield instructor for the Rockies. And it's a, it's a wonderful watch. Um, so I would uh, highly recommend that if you have some time to go in and record that and find that. Thanks. Yeah. Really proud of that show. It's a special club edition um, called the conversation about race and baseball and um, being able to sit down with those, those men that you mentioned that, uh, you know, both of us admire so much um, not just as, as baseball people, but as human beings and to listen to their stories and just being able to have an open dialogue, dialogue. I think it was, um, an important conversation to have and, and it won't end there. So that's, that's the good news. We'll have more stuff and more content from that coming up throughout the course of the season. Jenny, good luck with the Big Sky Tournament next week. As I said, I'm going to see you in a few days. With a mask on and socially distanced. I can't wait to air five you from six feet apart. It's going to be yeah, when, awesome. I, when I was doing college basketball, this I don't know if you, you've had this. When I was doing it this winter for uh, the Pac-12 network, I had to do, as we all did, we had to do games with mask on on cameras with mask on and i've never been more popular and people are saying keep that going you know the rest of your career if you could just put a hat on now it'll just be the best look you've ever had i know there i mean that wouldn't apply for you of course but for me i mean people were thrilled eyes only goodman it's gonna be it's gonna be a new thing drew i like it <laughs> exactly i'll tell i'll tell the the story um we call the camera in the booth as you know because you're in the booth it is the snoop cam because there's always a camera on us so our directors if they're going to show us in the booth can cut to it but we're, we're always on and i always like to kiddingly point out how rarely that they utilize that when, you know, I'm up there or Spilly's up there or Huey's up there. It, it's a little more friendly, you know, when you are up there, I guess. I don't know. That's not true. I think the only reason why the truck installed the Snoop Cam had nothing to do with actual television broadcast, but had to do with, you know, they play all sorts of games just watching the Snoop Cam and all the different weird faces that we make throughout the course of the game. So, yeah. How many times Goodman rolls his eyes? 
Yeah, that's that's definitely on the bingo card. Uh, That that one's on the bingo card, I am quite certain. In fact, I don't want to know what else is on that bingo card. Hey, (laughs) hey, Jenny, congrats on on what has been a wonderful career so far. And most importantly, uh, good luck with... with the baby coming in uh, less, well, about a month, April 15th, right? Yeah. Due date? Yeah, yeah. thanks, Drew. Tell Steve to be on his P's and Q's. <laughs> Always. Big thanks to Jenny as we are weeks away from the start of the season, and Jenny is uh, weeks away from welcoming in child number two. And uh, again, we're really fortunate. I say this all the time that, that we have such a close knit and talented. A group that we work with, and many of the folks um, who you all don't know behind the scenes, um, really special and, and talented uh, group of people that um, bring you Rockies baseball on television each and every night. Before we leave, it's time for our Boyers What's Hot. You know what's hot? It has been really difficult for all of us going through this pandemic, which is now a year uh, old. But my heart really goes out to a lot of the high school kids. I mean, from not only the challenges that exist normally from a mental health standpoint, trying to grow up in a, in a difficult time with social media and, and all of those pressures, but then COVID hits and so many of these kids are not in school on a regular basis. And if they're an athlete, um, their sport either was taken away or marginalized in terms of number of games or uh, how one team practiced and and how uh, you were able to to actually get out there and be involved. And and there were kids that never had um, a senior year last spring, for instance. And now we're seeing championships held. And I wish all of those kids, throughout the country, obviously, but but in our neck of the woods, the best of luck is the winter season is wrapping up and champions are going to be crowned, which is awesome, and memories created, and the spring sports um, are going to be in full swing, albeit you know a little bit later this year, but we are slowly getting back uh, to a degree of normal. And uh, the tip of the cap to all of those kids uh, participating right now at all different levels in all different sports, uh, working to uh, conclude the winter sport uh, session and, and getting ready for spring sports to begin. And I, I wanted to mention that as well. That's our, our Boyer's What's Hot this week. Well, it is time, speaking of hot, to head down to uh, warmer weather. Though it's been real nice back here in Colorado. Heading to spring training, and uh, next week we'll tell you all about that as we bring you another edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Check out the DNVR boys. I join them uh, every week. Uh, Drew Creaseman and Patrick Lyons, they do a marvelous job in covering uh, Rockies and the game of baseball on a daily basis. So make sure you uh, listen to their podcasts as well. Talk to you again next week. Stay safe, everybody. Stay well. You've been listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast. Subscribe at iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. And leave a comment that helps other people find the show.